my mom came to the Saturday night service last night, and she goes, because I'm going to find a place that has a sunrise service on Sunday morning. And I said, more power to you. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Closest I get to sunrise services at 8.15, and that's pretty darn early. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I told my friend Dan I would announce this to all of you if you're interested. Uh, CareNet uh, is a group in town. They do a lot of excellent work. And CareNet uh, is doing a golf tournament as a, as a fundraiser. And if you're interested in looking for like another four-man team, uh, it's, it's not cheap. Apparently, a four-man team is like 600 bucks. I was like, dude, that's like planting roots to go play golf. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, planting... Oh, anyway, sorry. Uh, so if you're interested, uh, let the guys at the Welcome Center know. I'll pass on your name uh, to Dan and stuff. But there you go. So, Easter morning, huh? You guys get out of bed. You made it. Wow. Wow. It's, it's kind of funny. I was telling the, the sound guys uh, uh, between the services, I'm like, we're more, I, I love Easter. I think Easter is the greatest miracle in the history of the world. But we're, we're kind of like a Christmas Eve church. You know, it's like we love the nighttime and the happy Easter. So we're going to talk about Christmas. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you are new, uh, welcome. There are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. Uh, there are sermon notes on all the communion tables throughout the room. They're half sheets and not full sermon notes like normal. Keep it simple for you. I know sometimes it's hard. Okay? <laughs> uh, on, the, on the back, you'll get some questions. On the front, you can take some notes. If you have a smartphone, you can download an app. It's called Uversion. Click on Live and Uversion. will come up by GPS in your smartphone, and you will get those sermon notes and questions as well as some of the announcements that Eric talked about as well. Uh, my name is Aaron. I am one of the pastors here. Why don't you stand with me? Reading of God's Word. We'll get started. This is Luke chapter 24, verses 5 and 6. And it says, As they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us what it means to be a people who live in resurrection who trust you for all of our lives and that we would know what it means to live in the gospel and in redemption and the good news of who you are and what you've done and what you continue to do. That we would stand amazed in our lives and live as your children so the world would know that you are risen. Amen. Have a seat. So if you have heard multiple times this morning, again, welcome to Easter. Easter is about Jesus, but for Element this morning, it's also about celebration. Uh, We have taken the last 10 weeks and gone through some hopefully very soul-searching things in regard to how we live our lives in relation to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we understand that we are so loved by God that we are saved by grace, but our lives should also be changing to better reflect who Jesus is. And so we've spent all these weeks allowing God to take and shine His bright light in to our hearts and our souls to look at everything we try and hide so they would come to the light and he could begin to deal with those so we know what needs to be changing. We have called this our Lent-like journey. And normal, if you're from a, a tradition that does Lent, it's only about six weeks. We did ten because we're gluttons for punishment. Ten weeks of this. Uh, if you missed it, you can get any of those messages online. Like we always say, they're free. You get what you pay for, but you know they're online. And the way we started to look at this is we looked at the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, that Jesus had John write his words to. And what Jesus says to these churches, he starts off reminding them who he is, what he has done. 
And then he goes in and either gives them a rebuke or comfort or both. And then at the end, he reminds them of their mission and their calling, like the video that we showed you, that this is mission. This is our calling. And so the last three weeks, we've started looking at this thing called the triduum. Triduum is a Latin phrase, and it means three days. And this is the Friday and Saturday and Sunday of Jesus' death and resurrection that changed the course of human history. A lot of what we looked at throughout this is taken from John Ortberg's book, Who Is This Man? I recommend it. You should read it. It's an excellent book. In the book, it covers Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Did a lot of my work for me. Made so much easier, all this stuff. Uh, Friday, Jesus was executed, and so we looked at how 12 different groups led to the crucifixion of Jesus, but ultimately, in the end, it was Jesus' call. We looked at Saturday last week. I made fun last night because last night was Saturday, you know, but anyway, whatever. Uh, and so this Saturday is silence on the earth, the in-between times. And this is where we live much of our lives. I said it's like when you pray for something and the time that God gives you an answer, yes, no, wait, whatever it is. It's the time between when you order something from Amazon and when it arrives. It's that in-between in time. It's the time of waiting and hoping and praying. And then Sunday, today, is Easter resurrection. And the world is changed, not just for Jesus' followers, but for all of us because Jesus rose from the grave and everything can be new. And resurrection did not mean that Jesus' followers didn't face troubles, didn't have hardship, they didn't have discouragement. They learned to have true and real hope in the midst of all of that because Jesus won the ultimate victory over sin and death. And what they did is they developed a way to greet one another that reminded them of this resurrection. In our culture today, greetings are going to be very important. Like if you go out on a blind date, Right? And you're a dude and you show up, what do you bring? Bring like candy and flowers because it's part of your disguise. So they don't know who you are. You know, it's like, and, and that first greetings, that's going to be really important. You go to a job interview, that first greeting is going to be very important. Uh, I, have, I have a few people in my life that I know of, I won't give you names, could be you. Uh, but, but if you don't give them the proper greeting in the proper way, they're irritated and angry at you. You know, I'm oblivious, so I never notice. So they walk around angry. I walk around oblivious. It works for both of us. <laughs> if you don't know somebody like that, it is probably you. So th- th- there you go. If you're, having a, if you're having a good day, you know, a bad greeting will bring you down. You're having a bad, or a bad day, a good greeting will bring you up. Good day, bad greeting is going to bring you down. Uh, when I was in high school, when you missed school for a reason, like your friend said, hey, let's go to the beach. The beach is great. The beach is wonderful. It's a wonderful day, like, you know, most days we're having right now. And so you cut to school and go. What happens is you would get a phone call. And it would start off and it would say greetings. You're like, oh, that's so nice. You're a kid missed school today. Oh, that's, that's not so good. Right? Anybody get those? Did they still do those? Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, I get those all the time. Stop cutting school, right? And then you want to get this. You know, and so my mom would be like, oh, who was that? And I would be like, uh, telemarketer. You know, we're just done. Now, there is a greeting the early church used, that used, and they used it for the last 2,000 years in different languages and different ways, but the greeting was this. Jesus Christ is risen. Okay, so about a third of you know that. The rest of you are like, what is this, a cult? <laughs> Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That, that's what it is. And, and sometimes, you know, when we do things like that in the church today, people are like, oh, that's really cheesy. Oh, that's so embarrassing. And I don't get that because we do cheesy things all the time. I mean, just a few years ago, people would yell beer slogans across the room. Less filling, tastes great. Less filling, tastes great. And everybody would be all, oh, that, that's so funny. And we think, oh, how much better is Jesus is risen? How much better is that? Seriously, people. I'm going to show you this cheesy video from the 80s. Here, just, just watch this.
weird. Seriously, that's not you. But you go to a rock or a stadium today and you're watching a sports game, they play that on the speakers. Everybody's all, hey! I'm back there trying to get the video down just a short little portion to show you. Alex, one of the young guys here, hears this. He's all, hey! so weird, right, that people do this. We do this, all these crazy things. Now, in the early church, you know, they, they had that greeting. One writer says this, there's no better, higher, or more praiseworthy thing in the history of humanity than resurrection. Easter is acknowledging Jesus lived, taught, loved, served, died, gave, rose from the dead, redeemed all of broken and fallen humanity. This is Sunday. Sunday, the day the stone is rolled away and death loses its sting and the grave loses its victory and the tomb is empty and hope is fulfilled. John Ortberg writes, faith was vindicated, the prophets were validated. Sunday, sin lost and shame died, hope soared and love won. Another writer says, if anything in this sorry dark world is worthy of celebration, it is Jesus Christ is risen. Sunday, Easter, resurrection means that we have something to live for beyond ourselves and something to die for beyond ourselves. And if you think about it, this is the greatest story that's ever been told. It is the greatest hero over the darkest enemy by a a cause that God deemed worthy. It's amazing what Sunday is. The truth is that now all of our sin and shame, it is gone because of cross and resurrection. That means everything is different. And life and pain and hardship and death, everything has changed because of Easter, because of Sunday. Jesus Christ is risen. Now you're getting it. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read the resurrection story from there. Matthew 28, last chapter, first book of the New Testament. Got a Gideon Bible you like right there? Oh, bad hotel humor, sorry. Okay, so, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first week, uh, dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and I love how he just throws that in there, it's like, we know who that is. Like, seriously, Mary is like going to a high school today and throwing a rock. You're like going to hit an Ashley no matter what you do. That's like Mary at this time. It's like everybody's named Mary. It's like, oh, Mary, okay. You know, it's like John Smith. Okay, okay. And the other Mary went, went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended and heaven, heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white, clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men, meaning they all passed out. Like they had that binge weekend just all went down at that point. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Now, a couple things in this. First off, in all four Gospels, the task of being a witness to Jesus rising from the dead is also given to women. In our day, that's not really a big deal. But in this day, it really is a big deal. It's one of the reasons why historians say this is a true event. Because nobody in this time and age would give the witnessing to also women because the women's testimony was considered to be Worthless. I mean, literally, a dude could walk up and kill somebody and have a hundred women witnesses, and you couldn't convict him if a guy didn't see it. I know, right? So in Luke 24, 
The women come from seeing Jesus. They go and tell the disciples, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Luke 24, verse 11. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. The women come to the disciples, they're all men, and say, we saw Jesus alive. He said, greetings. He went, dern, dern, hey. That's what Jesus did. And the disciples don't believe the women. They say, oh, you're women. Pa, you're talking nonsense, woman. I mean, I mean, can you imagine the frustration of the women in that moment? I mean, they're trying to help the disciples. These guys who ran away from Jesus, they're trying to help them. Can you imagine men being dismissive to a group of women? And so Jesus comes and he appears to these men. And, and I kind of think of it like you're in Hawaii, and like a luau, and Jesus is like, aloha, Right? John 20, verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. You know what that is? That's greetings. That's greetings. I mean, wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall the next time the men and the women get together and the women are like, Jesus Christ is risen! And they're like, he's risen indeed. You know, right? It's been great. Now, we're going to talk about this greetings this morning and kind of what this means. Because to me, the word greetings always seemed a little bit of an understatement for what's taking place here. I mean, you got the greatest miracle in the history of the human race. you got all of Jesus' followers. They're, they're bummed because he was crucified and he's dead and he's laid in the tomb. But they go to the tomb and the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty and the body's gone. There's angels there and Jesus shows up. Ta-da, and he's like, greetings. It just seems a little bit of an understatement for the miracle that's there. Now, the word greetings, it's this, it's this word in the original language, and it's, and it's this. It says, Cairo. And I know I am not trying to do an oriental impersonation, so just get over there right there. It's like, Cairo? I mean, it is what it is. I can't help it, okay? I'm a white, Cairo. Okay, and, and it means rejoice or all hail. It's a common way of saying hello, Cairo, right? Just, just like <laughs> Sorry, if you're offended, there's the door. But okay, so if you were in Hawaii, okay, it would be aloha. If you're in Mexico, it'd be like hola. If you are like older and you watched like a Vernon Shirley and Winnie, Lindy and Squiggy show up, be like hello. You know, that's that, that's them. That, that's it. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's almost like Jesus saying, "Well, what'd you expect? I told you this would happen. I told you this would happen. This this greetings. It is." It's lighthearted, it is new, it is fresh, and it's like everything is different now. I mean, I've never been raised from the dead. I don't know what I would say. I might go, hey, you know, I I just might, I don't know. Sunday, everything has changed, but not in the way we think that everything has changed. I mean, we think Sunday's about Jesus bandaging up our wounds, and, and he does do that. We think it's about Jesus blessing his people, and he does do that. But it's really about relationship, purpose, and mission. That's what it's about. Jesus doesn't go into this explanation of how the resurrection happened. He already told them what would happen. What he goes, is he says, now you have something to do. Um, Jesus doesn't say, now you're going to be blessed with security. You're going to get all the things you ever wanted. Now you're going to be safe. All your troubles are over. Let me rapture you and take you to heaven. We'll have a big party and the rest of the world's going to burn. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even say, fear relieved. He doesn't say, hey, thank God or hey, thank me. You know, the hard part's over. He says the victory is won, but still in Matthew 28 and verse 18, he says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know what he told his disciples to do? Go and extend greetings. 
You go and extend God's greetings to the world, and that's going to change everything when you extend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we see this very clearly in a guy named Peter. Before the crucifixion, you got a guy named Peter. He denies Jesus three times. After the resurrection in John chapter 21, Jesus seeks out Peter, and he reinstates him. He does this by asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? When Peter responds, yes, Jesus says, here is mission. Feed my sheep. Now, when Jesus asks the question and how Peter responds, in the original text, there are actually different words that get used in there. In your English text, it just says love. But what Jesus says is, Peter, do you agape me? Do you have unconditional love? Will you follow me wherever I call you to go? Will you trust me in all things? You know, because it's this deep commitment. Jesus is asking about Peter's love for him. Peter says, I phileo you. This is like, I love you like a brother, you know, but, you know, brothers sometimes fight, and I can tell my brother no, and that kind of stuff. And Jesus says, no, it's got to go deeper. It's got to go deeper. Do you love me? This will become the heart and the crux of Peter's ministry. This becomes the heart and the crux of our lives and where they're going to be built. Do you love Jesus? And how do you love Jesus? Well, what kind of love do you actually love Jesus? Because if you had to narrow Christianity down to one question, it's going to be, do you love Jesus? When Jesus comes and appears to his disciples after the resurrection, he doesn't let them off with like mental assent or simple devotion or friendship. He presses them until their hearts break, until they understand what's going on. I mean, this is why we just spent 10 weeks going through this Lent-like journey, because we want our hearts broken before him. Our hearts must be broken over our sin and folly before Jesus. So when he asks, do you love me, we give him an honest answer. Because when we say yes, he says, then do something. Offer greetings to the world around you. I mean, I think too often we're like the original Jews. They're waiting for Jesus to come on Friday. And on that Friday, you're going to fry everybody who doesn't agree with them. This is what a lot of Christians today expect. I'll be raptured. The unfaithful are going to burn. They'll all know that I was right. And when they said they didn't want to believe, when I talked, told them about Jesus and stuck that bumper sticker on my car, well, now they're in hell. And now they get what they want. Ha! But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus calls you to continue to extend greetings. And so when Jesus doesn't do our agenda, what we want, what happens is we go in and we hit that Saturday. Because Saturday is the place where we go, well, Jesus isn't doing what I want. Why isn't Jesus making my life work out the way I want Jesus to make my life work out? And then you have to move and you hit that Sunday. Because that Friday and Saturday take you into Sunday. And the question for Sunday is, am I going to really love Jesus because he first loved me? And he redeemed me, and he called me. Am I going to actually follow him? Because when we say yes, he says, great, then love others. Great, then love others. Because biblically, love is action. Love is demonstrative. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is like a husband and a wife. You, you, you don't just say, oh, you should know I love you. I think about you a lot. It's something you do with your hands and your feet. I, I, I wasn't going to tell the story, but something happened kind of funny this morning. So this morning, my, my wife is getting ready for work. She works at the hospital. And, and last night in the ER, you know, someone like peed and spit up on her and threw up on her. And it happens a lot, right? So she comes home. She takes a shower and she washed her watch, which is supposed to be water resistant. Well, apparently it wasn't. And her watch kind of, kind of got fried. Now, because I'm a good husband, what I do is I have this drawer that I hide all kinds of little gifts for my wife in because if it's like, it's her anniversary. <laughs> Gentlemen. That's all you're going to get out of Easter service right there. <gasps> I need a drawer. Okay. So she loves watches. So I got a few watches in this drawer and I, and I go out and she's like getting her coffee ready. So she's not looking at me and I, and I got two and I'm like, see which one matches? Like, Put the other one in it, and I go, I go, here you go. She's like, ah. 
It's demonstrative. It's doing something. I'm, I'm always thinking about her, even when I'm not thinking about her. I'm still thinking about her, right? I, I got this thing. In, get a drawer, guys. Okay. <laughs> if you have a kid, you love your kid demonstratively. You, you hug them. You put your hands. You don't just say, oh, I think about loving you. And it's all you. You do something with it. It is demonstrative. We love invisible places with hands and feet and strength and emotionality and practicality. Jesus says, feed my sheep, be a pastor, Peter. To all of us, he says, counsel one another, teach one another, encourage one another, care for one another. This is your calling and how you extend that greetings. Before the resurrection, the disciples only thought about themselves. They argue, who's the greatest, while in the presence of the greatest. Post-resurrection, Jesus presses all the disciples to stop thinking about themselves and start thinking about those who Jesus cares about. The essence of loving Jesus is not selfish consumption. We've got our tidy little lives all figured out. And I've got my theology and my church and my friends and my job and my family all figured out. Our goal is to be a blessing to offer this greetings. That's what Easter means. I mean, we sit 2,000 years from this original Easter. Some skeptics hate Easter more than any other Christian holiday because they say it's for weak people who can't handle the idea of death. That Christians made up a fairy tale to make us feel better, that we're going to live happily ever after. If that's you, you don't understand Easter at all because that's not Easter. Jesus never promised everything was now easy. He didn't say, stick your head in the sand, awkwardly smile and say, praise the Lord, heaven's for real. I mean, that's not what he said. All the disciples got martyred, except for John, and that wasn't for lack of trying. He just wouldn't die every time they tried to kill him. And Jesus is saying, I've defeated the grave and sin and the cross and Rome and Caesar and Pilate and religiosity, and it's still going to be difficult, but I will be with you in all things. So take my message to the world of true redemption for lives burdened from sin and guilt and shame. Tell people God is welcoming them. Extend God's greetings to the world because that's good news. That's good news. And if you feel today like you've cut God off and you've run away from Him and you couldn't restore relationship with God if you had to, great! He sought you. He sought you out. You, you don't find Jesus. He's not like a scoutmaster in the middle of a forest with a busted compass. I don't know if you, oh, thank God somebody found me. You know, that Jesus finds us. He rescues us. He redeems us. We're supposed to tell the entire world this. Today, you get to surrender your life to Jesus because he has been seeking you. He has welcomed you because this is Sunday. This is Sunday. And what I think is really interesting about the original disciples, what, what happens after that, that resurrection is they're still in the city of Jerusalem. It has maybe been 36 to 50 hours since this mob is yelling, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. And now their first job is to go out into that city and tell those people the way that the crucifixion failed. What? What? Hey. You know, seriously? But you're also supposed to tell them about the beauty of where it succeeded. That Jesus' blood now removes our sin. They go into that city and tell those people that Jesus is alive, that he has risen, that he's on the loose, and he is running about, and you're on his, Jesus' side. I mean, that mission has got to scare the togas off of those people. You know? I mean, for Sunday, Easter didn't make their lives easier. The life became much more dangerous. But they knew there was something in the world more powerful than danger, and that's Jesus. They're afraid, but they're filled with joy. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. What you start to see is that this fear and this joy and this awe going hand in hand seems to happen to everybody after the resurrection. When people start to get it, they're like, oh, I'm scared to death. 
oh, but it's cool. You know, it's, it, it's kind of neat. Uh, people get a lot more afraid after the resurrection. Now, uh, at the end of the book of Mark, we don't actually have the original ending to the book of Mark, so I'm going to read to you how Mark, the last thing we know that he wrote, actually ends. So Mark 16, verses 5 through 8 says this, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and that knucklehead Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, in Matthew, you see the same thing. The women are afraid, and they're filled with joy. It's this crazy dynamic, these two emotions that we don't think of that can kind of go together. They go together because of Easter. In the Gospel of John, we're told after resurrection, the disciples are meeting together behind locked doors because they're afraid. Sunday is not a comforting little metaphor, this little generic reassurance in the face of death. Sunday means that everything Jesus has been saying about God, about life, about death, about faith, about love, about forgiveness, about suffering, about giving our lives over, it's all true. Sunday means God who created everything in the beginning is now in Christ redeeming everything, calling us to extend that Redemptive greeting. I mean, this is why Christians began to gather on the first day of the week, on Sunday, when Jesus rose. It's like the first day of a new week. It's a new creation. Sunday means God is remaking everything, beginning with us. In John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus says to Mary, Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now, the last time the disciples are around Jesus, they all desert him. Up to this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus calls his disciples disciples, friends, servants, but now he calls them my brothers. Now, they have deserted him, so they probably have some names for themselves, like loser, failure, coward. But Jesus says brother because something has happened because of cross and resurrection. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they have a new identity. And their identity is not based on their performance because their performance is really bad. (laughs) Just, Just like our performance is really bad. It's a gift of grace. Jesus says, my father and your father, my God and your God. After the resurrection, Jesus says, it is possible for you and I to know the father the way he knows the father. Easter, salvation, light, love, hope, life. A story over three days, Friday to Sunday. The disciples begin to realize that. That this Friday, Saturday, Sunday story is not just Jesus' story. It is God's story for them. And not just them. It is God's story for the entire world. Now... Any of you guys, uh, over Christmas time, you know, you open your gifts in the morning or whatever, and then it's like, now I'm bored, what do I do? So you go see a movie? Anybody? Okay. Nobody. One person. Yay! Okay, you and me. I don't know what it's going to be this year, but we'll go see it. Okay. What's wrong with you people? It's Christmas. Go see a movie. So, over Christmas this year, this, this movie came out called Unbroken. Anybody seen it? It is out on DVD. Not promoting the movie, I'm just saying. Okay, So it's a story of this guy named Louis Zamperini. Uh, I'll give you the quick little synopsis. Louis is an Olympic runner in the 30s. He's got this amazing life that's in front of him. He ends up serving in World War II. He gets shot down over the, over the Pacific. He ends up on a life raft. Nothing to keep him alive for like 47 days. It's the longest anybody has ever been on a life raft. And eventually a ship comes by and he is rescued. But the problem is it's an enemy Japanese ship. And they take him to a POW camp. And in this camp he suffers unspeakable torment, brutality, hatred, starvation. I mean, and the whole question of the movie is, is he going to make it? Is he going to make it through this? And I don't really want to spoil it for you if you haven't read the book or seen the movie, but he makes it. <laughs> You're welcome. And, and this, is, this is the funny thing. This is where the movie leaves you. 
He comes back, kisses the ground, hugs his family. Yay! Hollywood ending, right? The movie's over. How wonderful is that? Now, if you read the book, there's two books. His, his autobiography is called Devil at My Heels, and then the story of it is called Unbroken. Uh, in, in both those books, there's still about a third of the book left because when he gets back, what happens is his life falls apart. His life just falls completely apart, but it's from the inside. He's got all this fear and hatred because of people who had tortured him. He has nightmares about it. All the sorrow at seeing all of his friends die. So what he starts to do is he starts drinking, and he doesn't stop drinking, but he hides it really well. He meets this great, beautiful woman. She marries him, and after years of marriage, he continues to keep falling apart. Uh, sometimes he wakes up in the middle of the night having these night terrors, and he wakes up actually choking his wife, thinking he's trying to kill one of the guards who are trying to kill him. And eventually his wife leaves, she comes back, she leaves, she comes back, and eventually he says, you know what, we're going to have to get a divorce. We cannot keep doing this. And so she talks him in the late 40s to going to a meeting led by a young preacher named Billy Graham. Billy Graham tells a story about a Savior who dies on a cross for our sins. He is raised to life to make us new again on Sunday. And Billy Graham says, now if anybody is ready to, I want you to give your life to this Jesus now. And something inside Louis is so angry and hard and bitter that he's furious. He's like, I'm not going to do that. And he gets up and he walks out. See, he thought it was going to go different, right? The marriage is still falling apart. So over the next few days, his wife keeps saying, please, please go back to me. So he says, fine, I'll go back again. But when he gives an invitation, I'm leaving. So he goes back again, you know, and Billy Graham starts talking about, you know, this, this Savior who, who dies on a Friday, raised on a Sunday to make all things new, to forgive your sins, your many, many sins, to raise you back up to new life. And he says, if you've never done it, if you confess your sins, would you give your life to him? And again, Louis is totally furious. He gets up to walk out, but he can't walk out. He can't walk out. He's like stuck there. And he remembers how he's on that life raft day after day after day. And he said, God, if you'll save me, I'll give you my life. And then God gets him home, and Louis just trashes his life. His performance, like the disciples, was really, really bad. But God's got a hold of him there. Jesus will not let him walk out because Jesus has been chasing him down. And so what he does is he stops and he says, all right, God, it's all yours. He surrenders his life to Jesus. And you know what he does from that point forward? He spends, he spends the rest of his life offering greetings. That's what he does. He eventually goes back to Japan, tries to find the guys that tortured him, and tell them about Jesus to invite them to live in eternity with him. Because when you understand the gospel, you understand greetings. That's Easter and resurrection. Jesus is alive. He is still forgiving sins. He's still giving people a brand new identity, a new reason to live, a new hope beyond death. And it doesn't mean your fear and your anxiety all go away, but it means you can trust him to be God over all of it. And if you don't know him, you can know him today. And if you do know him and you claim Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you get to start offering greetings. One of the best ways to do this is to understand how God has been writing your own story. When we do baptisms, we have everybody write their stories, and we put them out for everybody to read. And at first, people think, oh, that's not really a big deal. That's not that hard. But then when we say, yeah, write your, people are like, oh, I can't write my story. I don't know what to do. And they start to freak out. I was talking to a guy last week about it, and he was like, I really I want to get baptized, but I just that story thing is just so hard. And I go, well, tell me about your life. And I ask him a bunch of questions. And he's got this amazing story about how Jesus saves him, and, and he had all this turmoil in his life. He actually lost his son at one point. His son died. And, and now Jesus is bringing him back, and he's telling me, and I go, that is an amazing story. Why don't you tell it? And he goes, I can't write it down. I can't tell it. And I go, you just told it to me. 
He goes, people don't want to hear that. And I go, people need to read that because there are going to be people in that same situation and position that need to hear your story. That is the way that you can offer greetings to somebody else in the same place that you are. The Easter story is God telling us all of our story. He's going to change the world and he's going to take and use these broken and flawed people to do it. Easter is a great big greetings. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, the Apostle Paul says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I mean, not only does God save and redeem us, he sets us on a mission, just like the first followers. We are set on mission to offer greetings, to understand what God has done. And the more that we understand it, the more that we give, get to live in that grace and that hope of that greeting. This is why we do Easter services. This is why we do services every week. This is why we do gospel community. We intend for you guys to live together in community with one another understanding the hope and the grace of the gospel. And we invite you guys to communion every single week. Communion is where you break that cracker like Christ's body is broken for us. He dip in the wine of the grape juice, representing his blood that was shed for you and me. He rises from the dead and goes, dun, dun, hey, so that we get to live and walk in new life and new hope and understand the greetings that he has first extended to us. I mean, this is an amazing thing. And he sets us, as his people, to live that mission with and for him. Extend greetings. The band's going to come up, as they do. Uh, Again, this is Sunday. It is joyous. It is full. It is amazing. It is amazing. And if you need prayer, guys, for any of that, like maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ and you would love to today. There'd be some deacons and elders in the back that would love to pray with you about that. If you are someone who calls yourself a believer and yet you've never extended greetings, you've never lived on mission, or you've never even maybe learned how to even talk about your story that God has been doing in your life, they would love to help walk you through that a little bit. If you want to be baptized, again, baptisms in two weeks. It's a huge party. Everybody's there. We write your story. We don't make you do it while you're in the pool. It's okay. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. It's amazing what God does. We want you guys to be able to tell that story and offer greetings to everybody around you because Jesus changed the entire world. There's offering boxes in the sidewall in the back, and we give because God gave so much to us. Giving is to be part of that worship. Uh, you have an opportunity to do that. We do not pass a plate. Uh, it's a response to what he's done. And we don't have food in the back, right? There's no food back there? We do? A little bit? Don't eat the food in the back. Get in your cars and leave. I've got to get other people in here to extend greetings next service. <laughs> but what you can do is go invite people out for brunch. Go have some, some mimosas. By the end of lunch, you'll be like, hey, right? <laughs> Not that many, right? Waitress will walk by, dun, dun, hey! Empty. No. <laughs> go out and hang out with some other people and understand what it means to live and walk in these greetings with one another. I mean, it's, I mean, God sends us to, to the lost and the broken and because everybody's lost and broken. You're lost and broken. And your God rescues and redeems and saves us and intends for us to live in community with one another. Begin to do that. Begin to do that. Understand what it means. Live in the great, big, amazing greetings that God has given you. Live that to the entire world because God is simply 
amazing. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us what it means to live and the greetings that you have provided to us. That we'd be so excited in our lives that we would metaphorically be like, hey, we would do that. Because we are so excited about what you've done and what you continue to do. That you would make Easter Sunday, after 10 weeks of of this Lent journey, a day of joy and hope and celebration. Because you have and continue to make all things new. We thank you for saving us, for redeeming us, for doing all that you do because you are simply that good. And I ask that we would live lives that live in the celebration of that goodness. That we would understand joy even in the midst of our pain. That we would understand joy in the midst of our happiness as well. That we would understand the deep abiding hope of the gospel that transforms everything. Teach us to worship you with all of our lives, not just on a Sunday, Easter, but every single moment of every day everything to you because you are our great God who has saved us, who has redeemed us, who has made us new. Teach us to live in that grace and goodness of your greetings. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen.